Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church, with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine as in those days. Get ready for this timely teaching and encouraging word. There is a church that has that ability to, first of all, hold back. You know, in the name of that church, and I'm not going to get into it because I know once I get into it, I would want to get into all seven of them, but I'm just going to tell you, the name of that particular church actually has to do with this power to hold back, first of all, to preserve, to contain the power. And so a lot of what has been said in the world to be the deadness of the church and the powerlessness of the saints has actually been intended by God from the beginning and from the very foundation of the world. That a time would come wherein first of all the darkness will come and it will rain. The drought will come and it will prevail. So that when the manifestation of the sons of God is come, there will be no gainsaying or mistaken as to the origin or the source of that which makes the difference. Whether it's the light that shatters the darkness or the rain that breaks the drought. But as I was saying about the witnesses, one of the powers that we have is to be able to hold the rain and then eventually release the rain. Do you also know that the Bible says that we, the witnesses, will have the power to plague our enemies with all manners of plagues? And it's one of the things that just gets me so excited because what God said, in essence, was this. He says, you have the power to set into motion something that I have already done that they do not know. Do you know that the plagues that, that hit the land of Egypt, every single one of the plagues that hit Egypt was already in motion for centuries and they did not even know. Every single one of them. Every single one of the plagues that hit them has got to do with one of the gods that they worshipped. Every single one of the gods they worshipped was also the result of the plagues that hit them. You can go do the study. Break it down. This is not the message for today, but I'm just queuing you up in that direction. Study every one of those plagues and you will find that there is a God in Egypt at the time that is associated with that plague. And so basically when God is ready to destroy the enemy, God does not have to go to his storehouse to bring in any artillery. The things that will do the job have already been set into motion. And that is the reason why I said that we are not about to be led into victory but we're about to be led in victory because Jesus was made a promise by the father he said arise sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool so by the time Jesus comes Jesus is not coming just to bash enemy Jesus says I am coming and my reward is with me when I come it is party time oh yeah well then of course some people who are not going to get any rewards you know how that feels you know, you know when you go to a party and all the kids get party bags and then it finishes just before it's your turn? How you wish you never went to that party in the first place? And you start to plot of how you're going to make sure that the next day you see that boy at school, you're going to stick out your leg so that he can trip and fall. And you'll be like, oh, ouch, that must hurt. <laughs> just like Saturday. You know? That's, that's, but the only thing is they will not be able to trip us. The ones who do not get any rewards. Rewards. So I, I'm excited and, and I'm telling you, I just want you to know that the excitement that you're feeling, that's what it is. I have become of the culture or I've become accustomed to questioning or asking God questions about the things that I feel. One of the reasons being when I studied the life of Jesus, every single move that he made was by the divine orchestration of God. And when God called me and God started to have fellowship with me, one of the very first things that I learned about God was that he was the orchestrator. I used to call God the almighty orchestrator. It became so apparent that he was revealing himself to me as the orchestrator that one day one of my friends said to me, he says, there is something about you. The way things happen around you, he says it's very different. And then he gave certain instances. He went back about four instances in recent times or about around that time of things that had happened. He said one day we were supposed to meet somewhere at 11 a.m. You didn't show up until 1 p.m. But then the rest of us were, no, no, no. That's not the focus. Wow. 
the things that will undo a man are already in motion. <laughs> I set myself up for that one, didn't I? I walked right into it. Wow. Oh, come on now. Praise the Lord. <laughs> How do you get out of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Because the real testimony, I hadn't even gotten to it. Yeah. Wow. Praise the Lord. Oh, yeah. Apparently, my reputation precedes me like a sweet-smelling savor. But let me see if I can come out of it. He said the rest of us had been outside in the sun for two hours. And I'm not talking about the, the sun that you see in Atlanta. I'm talking about the Nigerian sun. Oh, it's a different sun. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why I don't listen to all these things that they say about the sun being millions of miles away. That's because the people saying those things have not been to Nigeria. <laughs> when you get to Nigeria, you can almost touch the sun. Because some days when you forget that the sun is there, the sun is like, hey, 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 I'm here. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's that kind of sun. It was really hot. He said we were outside for two hours. He said the moment you showed up, as we saw you, we saw the person holding the key to get into the building. He said, how come you didn't come early? Or you didn't come at the time that... <laughs> Let's forget about this. this. This coming early joke is not working for me today. But then at the end of the day, let's... <laughs> I'm not even going to try and think about another example. But the good news is this. I came to know the almighty orchestrator. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you another story that happened. You see, the Bible says all things work together for good to those who love God. And the call that according to his purpose. So, praise God. That one too has got to do with coming. You know what? Let's just, let's, just, let's just read some scripture. Oh yeah. You see, David says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. So I'm escaping all of those things and I'm coming to scriptures. Amen. As we walked in today, Brother Greg reminded me of something or pointed my attention to something that happened on Sunday. How many people remember that on Sunday, and uh, for those of you that are watching this online, this is two Sundays ago for you because you're not going to be seeing this until next week. Alrighty? So sorry to bust your bubble because I know you're already feeling like you're part of what's going on. Yes, you are just a week delayed. But it's okay because we've had testimonies of people who said that while they were watching the broadcast, the Tuesday broadcast that was recorded a week prior, a word of prophecy, a word of knowledge that was given was exactly spot on for where they were at. You see what I mean? And so at the end of the day, and if that word had been spoken the day before, it wouldn't have made any sense to them. But it was spoken right on that day, even though it's been recorded. And that is one of the most beautiful things about the word of God, don't you think? The Bible says forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. So what God is going to tell you about your situation tomorrow, he already said it yesterday. Because it doesn't matter where God, when God said it. As long as it's its word, it is settled in heaven. Why heaven? Because heaven is not tied to this clock. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's going to accomplish. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, I, I, I like the, there are several levels of understanding or appreciating what God has already done for us. One of those levels is believing that God will answer when you pray. Another level is that God has already answered before you pray. You understand what I mean? And then another level is that God has already performed all that you could ever pray about. And then there's another level that says that even the things that you don't even know that you need to pray about, God has already done it. You, you see what I mean? Say that again. He's the almighty. Oh, come on now. He's the almighty orchestrator. Oh, come on. Yeah. You should get a candy for that. That was good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, the almighty orchestrator has already done it. He's done it all. And so I remember when we were baby Christians, or let me speak for myself, when I was a baby Christian, I would get so excited when I pray and God answers my prayers. But then after a while, I would pray for certain things and it would not happen and it's like, God, do I need to be born again again? It's like, am I, am I staling your eyes now? Is that where the relationship is now? You're getting bored with me, God? You know, because he wasn't answering the prayers. But guess what was going on? God would do that to us to help us mature to the point wherein we don't even pray about those things anymore. 
You see what I mean? There are things that I used to pray about and I'll be excited because God answers the prayers. But then at the end of the day, those were things that I didn't even need to pray about. You know, Jesus was telling people on the, on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, look, after these things do the Gentiles seek. He said, but your heavenly father already knows. And you know, the examples that God, Jesus gave were examples of, cre of creation that does not have intercession, but yet they live in what? In abundance. He says, the lily of the field. I mean, when was the last time you were passing and you, your lawn was praying to God for you to get out the lawn mower and give it a haircut? Even though some people's lawns, you can tell that the grass is praying. <laughs> Say, God, let them cut me today. I need a haircut. But let me tell you this. The, the lily of the field, they don't go asking God and saying, God, I want to be green today. No. When it's time for them to turn green, they turn green. When it's time for them to take a break and hibernate and turn brown, they turn brown. And they look good either way. And Jesus was saying, look at them. They are arrayed even more than Solomon, Solomon in all of his splendor. The sparrow does not go for evening service and praise to God. And fast. But yet, it never lacks anything good. And so Jesus was letting them know that there is a level that you get to wherein you don't pray about the mundane anymore. Simply because your heavenly father, he has given to you everything that pertains to life and godliness. He has done exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ever ask or imagine. And in his divine orchestration mindset, he put everything in a place wherein whenever you need it, whenever you're ready for it, it comes down and it is always fresh. So whether God said it yesterday or we said it four million years ago, when I'm ready in my heart to receive that revelation, it sounds like he just said it. Say that again. No, no, he's not bound by time. And so whatever he elevates to heaven is no longer bound by time, which means it's always fresh. I don't even know how we got into all of that. But I was saying that on Sunday that, okay, that was how we got into it. On Sunday, we were getting ready to wrap up the service. I had received the second text message from my wife to say, now, it's over. Drop that microphone. And guess what? I mean, you know me. I don't do too much. You know, when my wife says, time up, then that's it. Unless I am led the other way. You see what I mean? You know, like the wise men, you know, they respected the authority of Herod. And they were going to bring Herod to the place where Jesus was. But the Bible says by the Holy Spirit, they were led the other way. They were led the other way. So I was led the other way. And where was I led to? I was led to Isaiah chapter 14 verse 7 and 7 verse 14. And you know that God speaks to me in seasons in palindromes. And you know, I've explained to you, and I've given you examples of how God will speak to me in a palindrome. A palindrome is essentially a word or an expression of a string that is the same whether you read it backwards or you read it forwards. And so the word level is a palindrome, because whether you say level this way or you say level that way, it is a palindrome. And there is another word, I mean, several words like that that are palindromes. Katie, give us one. Huh? Hannah? Oh yeah, the name Hannah. The name Hannah is a palindrome. Whether you say it this way or you say it that way, it is still Hannah. You see what I mean? And so many other names and words like that that are palindromes. Now, let me tell you one of the things that I've noticed when God is speaking to me about palindromes. What God is saying to me about palindromes quite often is that there's been, there's been an intersection between heaven and earth. Such that whether you look at the situation from the perspective of heaven or you look at it from the perspective of the earth, of the earth it is the same. And what is that? What is that thing that is most critical, that needs to be at an intersection? Always. Do you know what it is? Time. We were just talking about it. You understand what I mean? So the way things happen in heaven, everything has already happened. Everything is laid out in heaven. But not everything has happened yet on the earth. You see what I mean? Everything on earth unfolds per time. And so when there is an intersection of a particular event, especially something that is very, um, well, let me choose my words carefully here because everything is important. But something that is very crucial, right? Because the Bible says he makes everything beautiful in its time. So when there is an alignment of things that have been anticipated, alignment of things that have been promised and a readiness for us on this side of heaven 
to receive it the way it appears from heaven's perspective so to speak from God's perspective is a palindrome because now there is an alignment when he looks at it from here it's his level when we look at it from here we see level because it goes either way it goes the same way and that was so I've noticed that whenever God is speaking to me and he's leading me to scriptures that are palindromes of one another what I find is is a timing thing I hope that helps somebody because if you go back to your archives you never know how God's been speaking to you about timing and about anticipation that you may have missed you know for a while I didn't know what it was it was just exciting you understand what I mean but I've come to know that if it's a palindrome it's got to do with time and so the palindrome of Sunday was Isaiah 14 7 and 7 14 and as I was about to speak the Holy Spirit said to me he said remember that 14 comes before 7 in that particular instance does it make sense now that 14 will come before 7 very good let me explain to you very quickly you see there are certain nuances in the word of God it takes uh, let me put it this way Um, everything that we need for what's in front of us is behind us let me just say that again slowly everything that you need to overcome what's in front of you is behind you but you cannot move forward looking backwards and that was the reason why God gave us who the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was not given to us to teach us new things just He was given to us to bring to our remembrance the things that Jesus already said. Jesus says, you will receive the spirit of truth and he shall bring to your remembrance all of the words that I have spoken. And basically, Jesus, when he was here, I was in here, you weren't here. And and we can't afford to believe the people who said that all of us were here when Jesus was here and we we have just been reincarnating since then. I'm like, no. We are about 8 billion people now. When Jesus was here, we were barely 72 million people. Especially at least in the known world. Okay? So I'm like, we were not reincarnating anything. Some of us are doobies. Okay? And so when he spoke, the things that he spoke are not just the ones that the Holy Spirit reminds us of. Because... The Bible goes further to say that the Holy Spirit does not say anything of his own, but he says that which is in the mind of the Father. And so all of y'all that have accused the Holy Spirit at one point or the other for not doing anything about your situation is because you have not brought it to the attention of your Father. Because you're like, the Holy Spirit is with me. He's my Emmanuel. He's God with me. He's the paraclete. He's the one that has been called to be alongside with me. Why isn't he doing something about the situation? Holy Spirit, can you not see? But the Bible says the Holy Spirit will not deliver that which is of his own, but it will deliver that which is in the mind of the Father. So it is your responsibility to engage your Heavenly Father. And once that thing is on the mind of the Father, then the Holy Spirit can reveal it to you. Right, And there are certain times where in all that power of the Holy Spirit that is walking with you all the time. The Bible says he's the one that is called alongside and also the breath of life that is on the inside of the believer called the resurrection power that pumps out from within you the fountain of living waters. That Holy Spirit is very present within you. He is in you. He is with you. And you are also in him. Because he is the spirit of Christ and in him we live and move and we have our being. He is the very present help in time of need. Always present. But then why does it seem like sometimes he's not there? Simply because the word that is required for the Holy Spirit to comfort you by bringing to your remembrance that which the Lord has said you have remained ignorant of. Now, the Holy Spirit does not have any problem. Let me say this and say it very carefully because I don't want you to miss this. The Holy Spirit doesn't have any problem reading the scriptures to you or telling you what is already in scripture. But if you don't already know that it is scripture, you may give the glory to another. Because sometimes you're like, man, God, you can just put this Bible in my head and let's call it a day. Just open my heart and just put the Bible in there. 
No, that's not how it works. God can do that. I mean, there were instances wherein there were emergency situations. Emergency from the standpoint of a man, but not from the standpoint of God. From God's standpoint, there are no emergency situations. That's why it seems like God always takes his time. Because God can, yeah, because God can never be in an emergency. I remember a true story. One day, my brother and I, okay, this time around, I'm just going to say it anyway. Like, I just don't care. I was going back to school, and I asked if my brother can give me a, a lift. And my school was two hours away. And so if you're asking someone who just came from work to take you two hours away, you need to be nice. So he rushed back home from work, got home, and I wasn't ready. And I'm like, I'll be, I'll be ready. Just give me some time, man. And then he found me somewhere in the house. I had zoned out. I was like, myself and the angels were having meetings. And he screamed. And he was like, what do you mean? You got me leaving work to come here so I can take you? I want to come back tonight. And even if I have nothing to do, that doesn't mean I should just sit here. And then he kept yelling and yelling and yelling. I'm like, come on, dude, I get it. You're trying to help, but okay. So I started. And then the next five minutes, he saw me. I was just kind of like strolling in the house. And then it was like, you were never in a hurry. And my response was very, very instant. I said, and neither is my father. As soon as I said that, he got angry. He went to sit outside. He wanted to give me the impression that he had left. So he went to sit outside. Because I think he had to think about it, what I said. He says, you're never in a hurry. And I said, neither is my father. And after I said that, I realized what I had said. Like, well, in reality, my heavenly father is never in a hurry. Because I just can't imagine God late for an appointment. And it's like, oh my God, Jesus is in now. You know, and he's looking for his phone. No. Because he is God. Nothing happens until he says so. The Bible says there was nothing made that was made without him. Every situation, every event, every circumstance has to happen because God has spoken. So if he hasn't said it, it can't happen. So how can he be late? Because if he's not there, nothing happens. Because everything happens in him. The Bible says he's got the whole world in his hands. And so the way it happens is this. God is not in a hurry. He is not desperate for some solution to happen. From your perspective, things can be desperate. And there have been instances in scripture, two of them in particular that I know of, that things became desperate or people became desperate because things became urgent from their perspective. And God wanted to help them to speed things up. And so he would summon a prophet and then ask the scrolls of what they were supposed to have learned that they refused to learn. He would have the scroll given to them in an instant. On one situation, the man of God says, and when I ate the book, it was bitter in my mouth, but my belly was good. In another situation, it says it was sweet to my mouth, but then it turned my stomach. You see what I mean? So God can do it, but then it has consequences. You, you see what I mean? It has consequences, but that's story for another day. But I just want you to know that when you are to enjoy the fullness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it is critical for you to give yourself something that positions you before the Holy Spirit to receive and to enjoy his ministry. You see what I mean? And that's the word of God. Because if you don't know what the word of God says, the Holy Spirit is there. He's your teacher, he's your comforter, but primarily he brings to your remembrance and what he teaches you. Now, let me give you an example of something the Holy Spirit teaches you. I know that I'm digressing quite a bit, but you know, this is, these are the last days, you know, so we have to teach all of what we can teach while it is day for the night comes when no man can work. Okay, so you are supposed to learn scriptures. You are supposed to read. You're supposed to study scripture. It is your responsibility. Right, And I've told you the vision that I was in, I believe it was in the year 99 or 2000, thereabouts. I, was in this, I, I went in this vision um, and I saw a house. It was, a, it, was made, it was built of red bricks. And then it had holes, you know, just when you see some windows, they were not fully aligned. I mean, they were well aligned, but not complete. And then I saw holes in the walls. And I was like, man, some building here. And then I walked around the house to the other side and I saw the heap or the stash of bricks. And here I was in the vision taking bricks 
to the construction site. But then as I was picking up the bricks, I was choosing the ones that I would take and the ones that I wouldn't take. And the Holy Spirit said to me, stop right there. He said, you see those holes in the wall? He said, that's why there are holes in the walls because you're leaving bricks out. I'm like, uh, okay. It was like, don't leave anything out. Take it all because I need every one of those bricks to build. I wasn't the building. I was a co-laborer. I was moving bricks. The Bible says that unless the Lord builds a house, the labor in vain who builds. God is the master builder. He has called you to be a co-laborer. Right? And so at the end of the day, what I came out of that vision to experience was the Holy Spirit continuing to teach me even outside of the vision where I was seated. He said to me, he said, hey, how many? Good to see you. He said to me, he says, studying the scripture that is on you. That is you. You do that. Right? But what he was teaching me, he was teaching me how to study the scriptures. But do you think the Holy Spirit would have taught me how to study the scripture if I wasn't interested in studying the scripture? If Jesus said to you and I, do not cast your pearl before swine, why do you think, why would you think the Holy Spirit would be there giving you strategy and wisdom that you're not likely to implement? God will not give you more than you can handle. God is not going to give you 1,000 gallons of gas. Because if you put 1,000 gallons of gas into your car at the same time, it's not going to move. Because that would be too much weight. And so he wants to give you just what you need to get to the next stop. What you need to get to the next rest station. You see what I mean? And so he expects you to do the work of loading it up and then he will teach you. Because some people have been of the notion, even me one time, long time ago, that he could just teach me what's in there. I mean, you already know. You wrote everything. The Bible says all scripture was given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and it is for reproof. And I'm like... Just reproof me with the word. You see? But that's not how it works. He wants you to load it up. So he taught me this. He said to me, he said, look, you have holes in the wall because you were leaving bricks out. He says, those bricks, let me show you what they are. And then he took me to scriptures and he showed me the bricks. The word, the genealogies. So when you're reading genealogy, genealogies and they say Tala begat Dodo and Dodo begat Hasgad and this one begat that and you're like, oh. <laughs> yes, and what happened? Since they've been begotting one another, I have not grown an inch taller. You see what I mean? And so what do you do? You skip those names. Some of them you can't even pronounce. And then when you think that you've got the pronounce, pronunciation down, then you go to someone else's church and their pastor calls you something else and you're like, okay, we have to have a contest. Who's right? Is it high tofu or hey high tofu? You know? All kinds of things. And I'm like, man, I can't deal with that. So I was skipping genealogies. And the Holy Spirit taught me. He came alongside with me because he saw that I was making the effort. So the Holy Spirit can teach you something new. New that you didn't know before. But it is only for that level. The moment you get to a level higher, you recognize that that which the Holy Spirit was teaching you is already written in scripture. You just hadn't read to that point. Because I was skipping genealogies because I didn't realize that Jesus says that not even a tittle or a jot of God's word should be removed. He says anybody who tampers with this scripture that removes a jot or a tittle they have a special place in hell. They fall into the category of the ones who cause any one of the little ones to sin. Alright? So there is a particular portion of hell and there are people who have seen it that is reserved for false prophets and teachers. That is reserved for the people that call the name of God in vain. Who know in their hearts that they are out for fame, for money, for political influence. They know in their hearts that that's what they want. But because they have assessed the collective of the people to be gullible and very responsive to the name of God, they would then appear as an angel of light in the name of God. God dislikes that thing so terribly that he created, a, well maybe not he, but he had, he commissioned a part of hell just for those people. And Jesus was like, the ones who take out of the scripture, they are just like that. And when you look at it today, historically, the same people who held scriptures back from the body of Christ are the same people who are monetizing 
the gospel of grace. Historically. If I let me tell you what is what is interesting is this. You see, the Bible says deep cost the deep. There is a man of God, so-called, quote-unquote, a TV evangelist, author, and all whatnot, that for a while, I know people who actually follow this work. You see, I've, I've never been much of a reader of people's books, so I never read his books, even though sometime I think somebody gave me a copy of his book because I felt like I needed to read it. I wish I remember who gave it to me because I can send it back to them now and say, huh, so look at you now. You and your friend. You see what I mean? But then, at the end of the day, in recent times, you, we saw this man go from where we've always seen him to be and align himself to the ones who withheld scripture. Submitting his entire ministry to their lordship. You already know who I'm talking about, don't you? But then at the end of the day, I wasn't surprised. Because I'm like, there you have it. They've been cloaking themselves as angels of light. But for those of us who were fruit inspectors, we didn't see the fruits. We saw the fame. We saw the, 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 the properties or the assets, the material things that they amassed, the political influence that they got, but we didn't see the fruits. And Jesus says, many will come in my name, but by their fruits you shall know them. So one of the things that I have decided to do is no matter how beautiful you paint a picture of an event you want to do, of a book that you have written, of a, of a conference that you are doing, I will listen to what you're saying about your book, about your event, about your, um, what, what, what other things do people do, about your conference. But as much as I am listening, I am also looking to see whether you're a fruit bearer. Because if you're doing a seminar on marriages and you've been married four times and currently your wife is not talking to you, <laughs> you can have a PhD in conferencing. I'm not coming. Because Jesus already told me it is the fruits. Because anybody can talk a good game. You see what I mean? Anybody can talk a good game, but then at the end of the day, who are the ones that are bearing fruits? You see what I mean? Anyway, the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to load it all up, including the genealogies. Now, those are the kinds of things that the Holy Spirit will teach you, right? Even though for me, he only taught me at that particular point in time because he wanted to help me because that's why he's called the helper, right? And there were things in my life that I was uncomfortable about and he wanted to bring me comfort. But he already knew that in another couple of years, I would get to that place of understanding wherein I would know that in the first place, I wasn't supposed to be avoiding any jot or any tittle of God's word. And so I made sure from that moment onwards, I kid you not, when I'm reading any Bible, whatever translation, if they have a footnote, I am reading it. And that was how I got to know about the new text and the masoteric and all of those things. Because let me tell you something. Let me give you my favorite example of how footnotes have helped me to better understand scriptures. Remember, is it Proverbs 18, 24 that talks about the fact that he who has a friend must show himself friendly? No, no. Are we sure? Okay, Proverbs, what it is? So you have to draw your sword. Let's see. I thought my wife was just going to say, oh, that's it. But then uh, today, we all have to go to this scripture. Oh, yeah, my phone is faster. And the first person to find it will get a special present today. 1824. I was correct. Why did I even doubt it? <laughs> Proverbs 1824. Okay, actually, yeah, you're right. The Holy Spirit wanted me to go to it because I want to show you the footnote. Proverbs 18.24, it says the man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's the scripture, right? That's what we all quote. But when you read the footnote, because since I've been told to pay attention to all things, I've been reading footnotes too. So following the Greek manuscripts, the Syriac, the Targum, and Vulgate, and Masotoric Test, they all of these references guess what they read they read may come 
to ruin. Y'all, did you all hear what I just said? The Bible says he who has a friend must show himself friendly, but then there are other sources that translated that as may come to ruin. And so when I opened it up, I'm like, okay, you've been asking me to pay attention to everything. So now resolve this conflict. I presented back to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit said to me, He said in the original language, the expression there was an ambiguous statement. An ambiguous statement is essentially any statement in whatever language that has two meanings in that same language. Right? That is, a, that is an ambiguous statement. Right? And so, you know, it doesn't have to mean something else in another language that would be transliteration by proximity or by proxim. But if it is in the same language, it has two meanings, it is called an ambiguous statement from the word ambi and giwas. You know, ambi is when two things are functional. Someone, someone can use their right hand and left hand. You say that they are what? Ambidextrous. Dexterity is ability, but ambi is diversity. You see what I mean? The word die, two. Anyway, let's go back to this thing. Ambidextrous. Not ambidextrous. Ambiguous. Now, this ambiguous statement is a statement that has two senses, two meanings, but it's still the same expression. And so the first people who translated the stuff, they were like, we're just going to say what we think it means. But then as the world became more sophisticated, by the time we got to the 17th century, and the courts of King James were putting together their final conclusions on what the King James Bible should sound like, they didn't want to scare anybody. Because they were supposed to be gentlemen. They were supposed to be, a lot of them were aristocrats. Then they, did they have aristocrats just yet? In the 1600s, they called them something else. Oligarchs. Yeah, they were oligarchs, but they, there was another name they called them. But anyway, the, the boys in the courts of King James, they were noblemen. Yeah, the nobles. Wow, thank you. You're, you're right in there with me today. Thank you. So the nobles came together and they were, they were scholars. They were scholars in multiple languages. But then they had the sense of preserving and promoting the civilization that they stood for. And so to say that he who has friends may come to ruin was counter civilization. So they went with the other meaning, which means must show himself friendly. And that is the one that we go with. But if I hadn't gone into the footnote, how would I have known that it is also true the Englishman will say it is conversely true that he who has friends may come to ruin. You can destroy yourself by the company that you keep. Right? And you can't just use English or Hebrew to fully understand this thing. You need to use scripture to understand scripture. The Bible says that the companionship of fools will be destroyed. The Bible also says that's the Old Testament. New Testament says that evil communication what corrupts good manners. And so, if you have friends, you could come to ruin. Sometimes you're better just being by yourself. If you can't find friends that will lift you up, if you can't find friends that are bearing fruits, there are so many sales friends out there. And when I say sales friends, they can sell themselves to you. I'm the friend you should be hanging out with because I am the life of the party wherever I go. I am the friend you should be hanging out with. Oh, I know how to invest money. I am the friend. Everybody knows me. People can sell themselves to you. But David said to Solomon, and Solomon recorded in the book of Proverbs, he says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. They will say to you, let us lurk and wait that we may shed blood. He says, avoid them. They are bad news. So it's good to have friends if your friends are godly people who are bearing fruits. I'm not just talking about people who show up at church. Some people have been going to church since the doors open. In fact, before the doors open, they help to build the church. But they do not bear fruits that are worthy of a believer. They keep malice. They think evil of other people. They're jealous. They're easily provoked. They don't wish the other person bad. They're children of the world, not children of God. Do you know one of the ways by which I've been noticing people who are actually not children of God, but children of the world today, is that they always want you to know when they're not happy with you. Yeah, they want to punish you. 
Yeah. If you don't greet them the way they want to be greeted, then they start to throw tantrums. And, and the Bible says that we should not be overcome by evil, but we should overcome evil with good. If somebody doesn't greet me, y'all know me. I used to be a dog, uh, what do you call them? Um, a new people pastor. So, yeah, I used to be the guy at the door. Say that again. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was a dog greeter. A glorified dog greeter. I used to be the guy in the parking lot who was welcoming people at the door. And let me tell you something. If I, if I, yeah, glorified dog, I mean, yeah, dog keeper. That was when I was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, first impressions, you know. Yeah, I was a glorified dog keeper. When I started, I had only one t-shirt. But eventually, God blessed me, I bought a suit. And then it became two. And so when you saw me at the door, you thought I was the pastor. I looked very serious. I knew all of the announcements. So if you ask me any question, I can answer you. No, but I was. Eventually, I became ordained as a pastor. But let me tell you something. Also, the first time you came, you thought I was one of the pastors. Oh, then I was still justified. I was not even officially the head of the parking lot. I was still the assistant parking lot guy. I just, I just carried myself well. You know? The Bible says, call the things that aren't as though they were, so that they might be. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I used to pray for people in the parking lot and just lay hands on them and pray for them. And then after a while, they started calling me Pastor Moses and I was like, man, it's time to wear a suit. I need to lose the t-shirt. You see what I mean? But then at the end of the day, <laughs> when I greeted people and they didn't respond well, I would follow them. Oh, yes, because the Bible says I am more than a conqueror, which means I like to win. And so, if I want to shake hands with you, hi, welcome to church, and you put your hand in your pocket, I will come and hug you. So the next time you see me, you would rather choose the handshake than a sweaty hug, because I'm in the parking lot, sweating and wearing a suit. People will come to me and say, aren't you hot? I'll be like, huh, it's great. And the sweat will be flowing. And so to avoid the sweat, even the next next time such people saw me, they'll be the ones like, hey, hey. They want to shake my hands. Because it's better to shake a sweaty hand than to receive the fullness of a sweaty... Yeah. Anyway, but where I was going with that is this. (laughs) Okay. Oh, yeah. Then I was outside. That wouldn't work. But then here is the deal. What was that? Where were we? (laughs) He Oh, yeah, yeah, well, children of the world, yeah, absolutely, you know. But at the end of the day, what I'm saying is this. When you're choosing your friends, choose people that are bearing fruits. Somebody say, what does it mean to bear fruits? The Bible says, what are, the Bible lets us know what the fruits are, the fruits of the Spirit. Somebody that is long-suffering, that is patient, that is kind. I tell people niceness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Because some people are nice, but they're not kind. Right? To be nice is to say, oh, I love your shoes. But I know the lace is not well done that in two steps you could trip and fall on your face. But I'm like, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to call you out like a grown-up. You can't lace. Now, I'm not going to be the one to say that. I'm just going to smile and say they're nice. Now, that is being nice. But being kind is to say that, oh, your shoes are nice. But look, let me help you fix the lace. And then you go down and fix it. Now, that is kindness. You see, you have to look for the real fruits of the Spirit as opposed to the facade that the world puts up. You see, the facade of the world is this emoji on Facebook. (laughs) Praying for you. But they're not really praying. Because since they've been posting those dirty hands, has anything changed in your life? (laughs) Yeah. But then when you are in the company of believers... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but when you are in the company <laughs> yeah I know I'm sorry those hands I just told them man I've had it yeah yeah so but then when you are with people who truly bear fruits of the spirit the Bible says that love is patient love is kind and the fruit of the spirit is kindness and long suffering they are willing to stick with you through thick, thick and thin to pray with you to hear God concerning your situation and I'm not just talking about made up stuff so that it look like they have prayed for you things that they don't mind if it is tested over time 
Because they're present to see whether that thing comes to pass. You, you understand what I mean? As opposed to saying that I'm going to do street ministry in Atlanta and prophesy for the entire street because they're not going to see me next week whether it's true or not. I'm not coming back here. And so the next time we're going street witnessing, they'll be like, where did we go last time? We're on 5th Avenue? Okay, this time around we have to go to 12th. Because I don't want to run into the same people that I lied to the other day. You see what I mean? Now, and that's not what I'm, I'm talking about people who genuinely want to see Christ formed in you, the hope of glory. If you don't make your friend selection from a group of people like that, that are tested and trusted, guess what happens? It can ruin you. But that revelation did not just hit me because I was banging my head on the Bible. It didn't hit me because I had read 14 translations of the same book of Proverbs. It hit me simply because I obeyed in simplicity what the Holy Spirit said. He says, don't leave any stone unturned. Don't leave any brick unpicked. Pick it up. And that for me included footnotes. And when I saw that in footnotes, I started to understand that there are many more of such ambiguous statements in the Bible. But many of the people in my generation only choose to run with that which makes them feel good. Because these are the last days. And the Bible says in the last days, men will become lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, lovers of their money, and no longer lovers of God. And you know what people do? Who love themselves, who love pleasure? The Bible says they will heap for themselves teachers who say the things that they want to hear. For behold, they are a generation, the Bible says, of people with itching ears. So they're just looking for somebody to scratch their ear and to tickle their fancy. But we've seen enough of that. We have enough of that. And that is the reason why we need to choose to be those friends who speak the truth so that the devil can be ashamed. You don't have to be popular today. I, my, my wife knows. There are so many friends that I have lost over time. But guess what? I am confident that in due time, I will start getting them back. Simply because what I spoke to them that drove them away from me was the truth. And the truth is the truth. Whether I'm in 1987 or the spring of 2024, the truth is still the truth. And some people who just need to grow. You just need to give them time. Stop trying to force people to remain in your life. Speak the truth. If they don't like it, then they go. As long as it is the truth. One day, one day when they get to maturity, guess what's going to happen? They will realize that it was you who cared for them, not those other people who were what? flattering them. And then we'll find you. I've had people find me from overseas. And this is how they would just call them. Like, well, I was just calling through my, through my phone and I saw your number. So what's going on with you these days? And if I recently, somebody was like making me feel like it's been like 50 years. And I'm like, I'm not even as old as, old as what you're trying to make me feel now. But I was like, yeah, yeah, things are going well, praise God. And then the next thing was like, oh, how is the ministry? I'm like, oh, so you must have been stalking. You've been on Facebook, haven't you? So just tell me about me then. You see what I mean? But I don't mind when that happens because the glory belongs to God. Because the, resist, the, the resilience that I have is a gift from God. It is called the fruit of the Spirit to be able to suffer long. Don't be in a hurry to be anybody's friend. Don't be in a hurry to not be, long, to not be alone. There are seasons in our lives where we just have to be alone. God is the God of the Lone Ranger. Every single person that God called a prophet in Scripture was a loner for a season or two in their lives. David was alone in the wilderness, so was Moses. Elijah was alone by the brook, and so was Elisha. Even though he had Gehazi, Gehazi sometimes was no good. So there are times when you, have, you will have people around you, but they are like nobody. You might as well take a picture of, of, of Michael Jordan. You know that very tall picture of Michael Jordan that looks like it's life-size? And just be talking to it. Then to have Gehazi. Because Gehazi doesn't see what you see. He doesn't think what you think. And he doesn't even want what you want. Remember Gehazi. The prophet of God wanted to heal Naaman for free. But when Naaman came and brought all the stuff. Do you know that Gehazi could not resist all the goodness that they brought? So he was like, uh, excuse me sir, let me see you outside. He was like, you see, my boss is shy. He wants this stuff, but he doesn't want to say. I'll just take it. 
but don't give it to me here. Let me meet you on the way. And he followed them to get the spoil. And they became leprous. The leprosy of Naaman that was washed away in the Jordan. The leprosy was looking for where to go. And they found a greedy man. And they jumped on him. Some of us have friends like Gehazi. We have friends like Gehazi who would not respect the boundaries that you set. Who would not respect the principles of the word of God that you intend to follow. And they will say to you, oh, I got you. And then they will go behind you to create a portal for Satan to come into your relationship and invariably into your life. I would rather not have a friend than be stuck with a Gehazi. Elisha was better by himself. Because Elisha was not even alone in the first place. Remember when Elisha was surrounded by the army of Syria. And Elisha was confident. It was just one man with half a man which was Gehazi and there was an army surrounding them and he was not afraid and Gehazi was like master have you written your will oh I'm sorry you have your poor you have nothing to even write so are you ready to die today and Elisha was like what do you mean ready to die today he says we are surrounded and Elisha said but we're, we're surrounded by who he said by the army of Syria he said I don't even see them he said because they are completely dwarfed by the angels that are surrounding us do you know that there are friends in your life who will try to take your focus away from what God has promised you and put your focus on your fears and on their own fears and the situation and the circumstance anybody that keeps telling you all the negative things that is going on in the world without remembering the power that is in the word of God is a Gehazi you need to help them quickly or leave them quicker Thank you for tuning in and we pray this podcast has blessed you today. For more information about this church, check out www.communion.house. That's www.communion.house. Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Communion House. Hungry for more life-giving content? Head over to Communion House on YouTube for a full catalogue, live and on demand. We're honoured to have your audience. Wherever you're tuning in from, thank you and God bless you today.